Hello listeners, David Newton here. I hope you're having as much fun listening to the program as I am producing content for it each and every week. Although this is a free podcast for all of our listeners, contributions from supporters really help me to keep this going. To show your support, please visit roostertailtalk.com and locate the support tab. Every contribution helps this podcast to continue to bring you more hydroplane news, interviews, and history. Now, enjoy the show. Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Tail Talk. It is July 14th, 2020, and this is episode 44. Now, a couple months ago, I talked with Simon Fortin via Zoom. Now, Simon... He's an upcoming driver with the HRL series, lives in Montreal, Quebec, and he races the 2.5 liter hydroplane. It was a fun conversation I had with Simon. We talked about coming off of his rookie year, the challenges that he had, stepping into the boat for the first time, conquering all those firsts that rookies do, how this off season's going for him. We talked a little bit about safety, but as you will hear in our conversation, Racing is in Simon's blood. Today, I'm joined via Zoom by Simon Fortin. Simon, how are you doing today? Doing good, and you? Doing well, doing well. How are things in Montreal for you? Uh, it's actually very bad here, to be honest. Uh, it's uh, like more for the COVID thing. It's yeah, it's pretty much like the worst uh, place in Canada right now. Yeah. There's a number of cases, but yeah, we'll get through it. I have to admit, I, have to admit, I haven't really been watching the news last week or two is that my head's been kind of down on that stuff. It's just, well, you're, you're not so, missing much. You're not yeah. missing much. It, it seems like it's just been blasting us. Right. So it's, it's not, I don't think there's any change. No, there's nothing new. There's just, uh, it's all the, all the old same. Yeah. But you, I, I don't know if it's your day job or night job, I guess. Uh, but you, you kind of work at ground zero with a lot of that stuff at the, as a respiratory therapist, correct? Yeah. 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 But if, yeah, on my part, um yeah um, i do work night shift actually so yeah it's my it's my night job but uh i i love to say that uh like my summer job is to race boat and like the rest of the season what i do is that i'm, I'm at the hospital because i don't work much usually during the summer exceptionally like this summer will be different because uh it seems like we're not going to race well actually they cancel all the race in the hl circuit so i know for a fact i'm not gonna race uh, hydroplane this summer maybe i'll be able to race something else but like i don't know about that um need to be uh determined in the next few weeks uh yeah well it's uh i know it's tough times and everyone appreciates uh you know frontline people like you are doing right now so thank you for what you're doing oh you're welcome yeah well um you get to know know you a little bit better i know racing is in your family it's uh in your blood so to speak I was wondering if you could give us some background on your racing heritage and what it means for you to be growing up around the sport and having it be part of your family. 
Yeah, if I can go a little bit uh, back, uh, how it started at, uh, at the beginning, uh, it was before I was born, actually. Uh, it was my, uh, my uncle and my grandpa uh, who at first were in uh, horse racing. That's how it started. Okay. And what happened is a, it's a pretty good story. I know the commentator, they used to love that story back in the days. Um, they were horse racing and they were the big, uh, big horse event. It was like the triple crown of something. Um, there's might some fact I might like be a little bit off because I was like I was not there. It was, so that's what I have heard. But is that was uh, it was like a big competition with like a big prize money. So what happened is that the, my uncle is starting bugging my grandpa about like buying them a race boat, and he told them that if his horses was about to win the next race, which is like the, the triple crown with like okay. a lot of money involved, they were gonna give them the money to buy the boat. <laughs> and uh, no joke, the horse did win the race. So they end up with a large amount of money. I uh, took that, called John Stodacker, and bought, uh, make him build a brand new boat for them. So that's oh. how it all started for them, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. You win a race with horse racing, and then you trade it for a different type of horsepower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very different. So, But it, it was a good boat. Like, he, they, they did, like... Um, a speed record in Ville Marie in 92. Uh, my dad was on the team. Both my uncle were on the team. So pretty much like all my family was like at the race site all together uh, yeah. enjoying. Like it was like the, like when I saw the picture, like, like with them, with their long hair, like the, the, the suit or like white with like the, the pink uh, stripe and the, the green stripe. Like, oh man, they looked like they had so much fun. So yeah, like uh, if you go at my place, like you see, like that's what we talk at the at the dinner table. Like we talk about racing, we talk about hydroplane. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've been raised around that. So for sure, when I grew up, and especially being in Valleyfield, I wanted to race like everyone else, and I was lucky enough to be able to have my chance. Nice, nice. Well, it it sounds uh, like a fun family environment to to grow up around. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well. I know you followed races, racing as a as a kid in the younger years. Uh, what classes did you uh, closely follow? Did you have any favorite drivers that you followed in the, in your area or internationally? I have. So what are the classes I used to follow the most was for sure was the Grand Prix classes because that was like the most prestigious races we had was like the Grand Prix. Like the, I know the the final in Grand Prix was a big thing. I remember it was like. Jimmy Shane, Jimmy King, Claude Bergeron, Patrick Ewart, like all those guys, they were like fighting for the win. It was like such a competitive class. It used to oh. to give like us fans uh, great races. Um, and they always like used to switch boat a lot. So there's like a, a lot of, because there was a time when the HL, they were doing, um, they used to buy a lot of boat to keep the class healthy. So okay. there was always like a high number of boat racing in Grand Prix. And at one point they were even making like uh, older boats they were making alive. So they used to have like the deep water special, the long gun. So like all older boat, they used to repaint the new one, like the old one. So to make like in the back in the days when they had like those nice battles. Yeah. So it was very fun to watch. And in terms of favorite driver, I have to go hands down with Jean Thierry. Uh, it's nice because he was like, from my hometown and uh, seeing him like in the Super 7 when he was sponsored by the Kesno of Montreal, it was such a, it was such a fast boat, like so many victory. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure he's still on, yeah, he's still on the number of record for the Grand Prix win in Valleyfield. Uh, I know Bert is like one down, 
but uh, maybe we'll get that record break by Bert. But until now, it's still Jean Terre who owns like the most win in Grand Prix. So uh, that was that, that was a good time. I, I have a massive poster actually in him of in my garage of Jean Terre. He used to be my idol, and he still yeah. is. I was say no. He's a fantastic driver. Um, I didn't know him very well before he reached the unlimited ranks 15 or so years ago. Um, but he, I know he did a lot of great things in unlimited, unlimiteds, and some with boats that weren't as competitive. But he he was able to find that edge with it. Uh, how many races did he win with Grand Prix and Valley Field? Do you, do you have that number on top of your head? Well, I don't. It's, I don't think it's the number of races he won. I think it's the number of final he won. Is that something? It's like okay. nine final or something like that, which is okay. like, it's a lot. Yeah, that's that is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, Bert is like at eight, so Bert too is getting there. Yeah, yeah. Getting there. <laughs> And like one well, thing I remember a lot is that um, like when I first started to follow races, I remember that yellow and purple boat. It was Eric Langevin Longshot. And I remember like that, that boat was so fast. The one year I remember the most, it was, uh, he made it by the, the, uh, the cone. He make it to the final, like on the outside. And he just like eat everyone. Like he was such a fast boat. I remember. And now what's the funny part is that's the boat I bought. Like that's the boat, like the boat oh, that really? used to make me dream when I was a kid. Yeah, it's the one I own now. It, it have had a couple hands before it reached me. It yeah. was like maybe three driver between him and him and me. But yeah, that's the boat I hold now, and it's because I knew, like I knew the potential of that boat. I was like, yeah, I need. I'm gonna go with that one when I when I was about to to buy that one. Yeah, that's, that's what that's really, my mind. That's really wild. That's uh, that's gotta make it a little bit. It has to be more sentimental to have that as your as your boat you're racing then. Yeah, just like you would never imagine, like when you're young and you're just like you're just like watching it in the in the grandstand. You like won't imagine like one day you're gonna be racing that exact one. It's just right. so funny. <laughs> well, I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you got started in in your first uh, year of racing and racing in HRL. Uh, a little bit more background in in your startup for your your rookie season. Yeah, so well, I, I started, I was involved in HRL um, for three years before racing with the, with the Shannon family. So I've spent three, three years with them uh, as, a, as a mechanic, so learning a lot, um, like, how, like everything you need to know, because there, there's, there's no book about like how to yeah. run a race boat. Yeah. It's something you're going you're gonna to learn by doing it. So, but they taught me so much. Uh, Norman used to own his uh, Grand Prix. Uh, then uh, when his son started to race, he, he kept it for like two or three years. Then he sold, he sold it because it was like too much work to, to be the team manager of his son and racing Grand Prix. So he was like full-time with us. So it was fun to have someone who's been racing for like 25 years to show me, uh, to show us like uh, how it's supposed to be done. And then after that, um, two years ago, uh, mid-season, right after Valleyfield, I was I was actually still at university, and I was like, no, I'm not gonna gonna buy a boat till I'm at school. <laughs> like I'm gonna wait to finish school, and you know it just happened. I just happened to buy a Jan LeCount boat, uh, so I did my debut in Valley in um, in Buffalo actually at the Thunder and Niagara in Tonawanda, um, like. Because I, I had my capsule test done, but that's the most experience I had in a cockpit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I had nothing else. So I've never, like, tried it, anything. So I learned. Like, so you basically sat in a capsule before you ran one. 
Yeah, exactly. But that's yeah. it. Like I, like I haven't like pushed the start button and tried to make a lap with it. So yeah. it was hard the first time. I'm not gonna lie, it was very hard. It's just like to, to like to know where you are in the circuit because it looks so easy. Like when you're in the stand, and you're just like watching it. Oh yeah, it's going in circle. But like when you're in it, like you don't you don't see anything. Like it's so hard. There's like flag. There's other boat. There's boat in the middle. There's buoy, like there's so much thing, like it's hard to orient yourself and know where you are. So that's the thing I thought it was the more hard the first time. That you get used to it. You just like memorize the circuit in your head because most of the time you don't see anything because of the water. So but you know approximately where you are in the circuit. So that's that's what you use to to race. But uh, yeah, that was a hard first time. And Tanamondo <laughs> is known to be like, it's the roughest circuit we go by far. Like it's so rough. Because uh, it's the Niagara water, so mm-hmm. like there's a lot of wave and yeah, it's not a hazy place to go. But uh, people are like, oh, if you can't race in Tonawanda, you can't race anywhere. So I found like the right after that to be uh, uh, way nicer for me to do than the first one. <laughs> well, why not start off at the hardest hardest place to run at, right? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was good though. You had some experience, you know, working on the and wrenching on the boats before you got into the driver's seat because I think that's that plays such a crucial role understanding the boat before driving it I think you can understand where to push the limits and, and whatnot the, is, that, is that what you found as well yeah uh yeah exactly because like I couldn't see myself like having starting that journey like without having been in a team first because that's where I like most of the thing I learned was there because there's so many like little thing that that you just need to know because it's so particular to that will like even if you have like a big knowledge in karting or in car racing or dirt dirt racing or whatever so particular like there's nothing really like racing boats so you really need to be in that will to to know how to set it up and how it's working it's very different yeah well last year in 2019 season was your first full year in racing two and a half liter how would you say it went? I it was hard. It was hard. Like what I cause what I think was the hardest for me is like when you buy a boat, like they all look like shiny and in good shape, like from the yeah. outside. Because yeah. I, I had no idea what to look for. So I bought the boat, like it was all shiny and a nice paint and everything, but underneath it, like it was bad. Like it was bad. Yeah. Like you need you need to put the work in it. And I had no idea what to look for. So it took me like the entire season to figure out like what was wrong on the boat and how I need to fix it. I need to redo like all the electricity, like the motor was like it was issue with it. Even like the um, the whole of the boat, like it was due for some work, but like I, I didn't knew that before going in. So when I started to race it, I was like, why is it like people are faster than me? Like what what am I doing wrong? Until I figure out, okay, it's that little thing, that little thing, that little thing. And like when you add all those things together, like you're gonna get competitive, but there's no way you're gonna like just sit in a boat and be as fast as the other guys who've been doing it for so long before you. So you need like you you need to like figure out like because like we don't have like the same eight and weight, it's different for everyone. So one guy is gonna raise the boat, like the boat was like perfectly fit for him but like i'm pretty tall i'm i'm six feet three so what doesn't fit like as well in the boat as like the guy before he set it up so i need to change all of that and that's what that's what we did like i i learned my first year like i came pretty close to going to podium like my best finish was a fourth and final it was so close but um even though actually what happened is that i was 
I was third. I had a podium finish, but there was a crash during that that race, so he had to start again. So oh. I did not get my podium that race, but um, I'm gonna go get it. I, I know, I know it's coming. I can yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, it won't happen this year, but hopefully next year, right? Yeah, yeah next year for sure. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds like it was just a steep learning curve for you this last year with just figuring out how to drive, figuring out all the the components of the boat. So it's, it's, it's a good good trial for any new driver. But what do you think was your biggest challenge over the whole year? Oh, um, well, just before answering that, just uh, one of the things that is hard with boat racing is that if you, if you race car, you can go to the track every week if you want. Like they have like track days. You can test as much time as you want. Like you can have like the seat time you want. It's, like you can't go, but it's not a thing we can do with hydroplane racing. You cannot go to the lake with your boat and just like and be in your boat and test it for four hours. It's not a thing we can do. Um, so it's like you don't have much seat time in a year. Even if you do all the races, like it's not that much. So their learning curve is it's, it's hard because it's, it's the time you're really in the boat uh, racing itself. Like it's just, it's 10 minute race. So it's not like you're not in there for that long. It's not like if we're doing like four hour races or an hour races uh every weekend so yeah it's hard it's hard and it's long to to get up to speed but um i mean you finish by getting there and um in terms of biggest challenge i would say was uh, i'm pretty sure you heard about it but when we had that accident in brockville with matthew deu and he died i like it's just that was, that was terrible like it had to be the hardest thing in my life to be honest just like Cause we just we that morning we were just like talking because we find out like i had the same shoes as him we we're just like talking about shoes like something very simple and that's the last thing i, I talked to Mathieu about it's just so hard to see a friend like lost his life in the in the accident and after that the weekend after it was valley finn and it's like oh yeah we need we need to go back racing but you don't like we had the funeral of Mathieu. uh i think what two days before valley field so it's still so fresh in your mind like you're that like you don't realize it, it's it's happened for real and you need to go back racing. It's it's hard, but you know you need to do it because you will never going to get over it if you don't get back in your boat and race. But it, it take a toll. Like it was hard. Like I'm not going to lie. It's, and I know I can talk for a lot of your driver. Like everyone like had a hard time with that. Like Mathieu was like, it was known by everyone. He was loved by everyone. It's so hard to see uh, one of the good one of us like to not be there anymore. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really hard part of racing in any form of racing. When you see a close friend or a competitor pass away before their time because of a, a wreck. And it's hard, like you said, it's hard to get back in that seat again. But do you, do you feel like in part of his memory, you, you still race and get back in, into the boat and, and you're racing, you know, for him in some way? How, how do you get back into, into the seat after, after seeing that happen? um because we all knew like Mathieu would have never want us to not race like Mathieu like he was living to race like it was his passion and for sh like for sure like we all did like little um honor to him the way we can some people like they put like different color on their boat or a sticker or whatever like everyone had their own way of cheering up Mathieu um but uh it's hard like mentally like for me i'm lucky because i have um i have like a sport psychologist who follow me so it was good for me to be able to talk about that with him and just like get in a good headspace and be um peaceful 
like in peace uh, about that because at first I was like, no, like that's like it, that's where I'm. I'm like I don't want to do it anymore. Like I want to stop. It's not fun. Like that's not why. Like we go to the race site. Like we go there to have fun. It's supposed to be like everyone together having fun. Like not about like um people dying. But at the end of the day, like it was an accident. Like it was not something we could have prevent. Uh, it's just sad it happened to Mathieu. But uh, like we we cannot we can't stop living because of that like we need to to cheer it on and keep going and i'm sure that's what he wanted would have wanted us to do yeah definitely yeah i'm glad glad people were you know moving on with that and i saw um on through some facebook posts and, and whatnot that some uh higher levels of safety were involved in the sport after that accident so um some positives in some ways that can, can keep going Yes, they did start a safety committee next to that. So actually, it's a pretty good thing. So they, they put all the people who had the best knowledge about safety in uh, boat racing together. And they made a plan. I think it's a two, it's a three-year plan, if I'm not mistaken, with like step of like what, we're, what they're going to do to uh, make the boat um, more safe for everyone. Uh, it's For sure, it's different for every class because uh, like we don't, we're not, all the boats are built by the same constructor or like we don't have the same type of cockpit neither. So it's very different like by class, but uh, it's for sure getting safer. So at least like the last time they had a big improvement was after a deadly accident. So like it sucks, but even in Formula One, like when uh, Antoine Hubert lost his life last year in Formula Two, like that's where they were like, like FIA didn't do some investigation and they're like, okay, that's what we're going to do next to prevent that to happen again and so it's safer for everyone right right well hopefully we can continue to make it safer and safer and it'll be a long time before another one passes in that yeah. same way i'm really curious you know in with a new driver starting out do you have any mentors uh, that you have raced with that help you kind of take a quicker route to understanding and learning the, the ways yeah, I would, I would say uh, my uncle who used to own the boat, uh, the five liter is pretty much the one. Like when I have a question, I'm going to go ask him. But it's pretty funny because he, he used to own the boat, but he never raced it. He never raced it. But <laughs> like, it's not the guy who's like always have like the, the right um, the right tips uh, for me. Like when I ask him questions, he's like, no, do this instead. And if he's not sure, like he's always like going to find a good answer for me. And happily for me, uh, my chief mechanic, Alexander Roy, uh, is racing too. So when I have question, like he's always next by me. So if I have a little question, I can always ask him and he's going to help me for help me for sure. And what is fun too is that uh, when we go to the race, like we have a lot of guys with a lot of experience. Even like those guys who race in Unlimited. So we have like the Tate, Anderson, Lilical, Thompson, Award King. They're all there at the race site. So we have so much like experience and history with us. So like those guys, like if you go, if you go and ask question, like they're going to help you. It's like, it's a, it's a we're such a, a big family. So everyone's going to help each other. So it's fun to have like that amount of uh, experience with us. Well, it's good to hear that everyone's so open and, and helping one another out. That's, that's really the way to help you make sure it, you know, the, the sport thrives and continues to grow. Yeah. Yeah. In doing a full circuit this last year, do you have a favorite site that you went to? Or uh, one that you yeah. thought would be a favorite and maybe didn't uh, turn out to be a favorite after you raced it? Yeah, if I go really with this the city and the circuit, uh, I'd have to go with Brockville, Ontario. 
Okay. Uh, it's just, um, it's such a nice little city. Like it's just, it's around the uh, Thousand Island um, r River. So there's a lot of, like it's, it's a city made for people who boat. So there's like nice little hotel, like, like hotel. There's like such good food there, the pub, uh, entertainment. They have like great concert. Uh, it's just, it's just a good weekend. That's where we always laugh about it. Cause it's always like when the mechanic, they bring their wives in because it's just like such a good weekend. So usually where a lot of people go there, it's not too far from where we are. So it's all around. It's such a nice place to race. And I have good memory there because um, that's where last year, uh, one of the races I had, I was like uh, fighting hard with uh, Owen Anderson, who's, the, who's Bert Anderson's son. Uh, we were like uh, racing door to door for uh, two, uh, two complete laps. It was such a good race. So yeah, that was fun. Nice, nice. Well, it sounds like a good place to, to go to watch the race and not maybe stay for a little while and, and vacation for a while as well. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. like the pit are, are right across like um, the race site. So no matter where you are, you just have a beautiful view. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a pearl of a race site for sure. Nice. Well, unfortunately, we've talked about this race season has been canceled for 2020, uh, rightfully so because of the COVID uh, pandemic going around the world right now. I'm assuming you're ready for the season regardless though, but what does that, what does this mean for your preparations for next year? Uh, yeah, in our case, we were, we were ready for the season. Uh, Cause technically we would have like this weekend would be the weekend we would have started uh, racing. So on the seven, on the 16 and 17, we would have been in Cambridge and uh, Maryland to, for the season opener. So yes, the boat was ready. Uh, we did add a lot of work done during the off season. Like we redid the paint on the boat. Like we redid all the 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 whole of it. It was pretty. Like we had some. The angle were not right anymore because it was like the boat has just worked too much through the years and humidity. So that was all redone. Uh, motor was redone. Electricity was all redone. So pretty much like if I can see what I bought at the beginning, the package I bought and the boat I have now. It's two complete different things so i have to say like it was really like this winter we did like the most work and i can't wait to see like like the result of that's gonna give because like it's such it's like if i just bought a new one like hey like it's gonna be so different it's gonna turn better it's gonna handle better it's supposed to be faster so overall it's such a nice upgrade for us but actually it seems like we're gonna have to wait an extra year to know uh, how that turns out yeah. So it sounds like you're you're ready to go. So it's kind of just wait and yeah, I mean, pretty much. Water, see how it goes. Yeah, because we didn't know it was gonna happen. Because <clears throat> it's not something you wait like a, like two or three weeks before the the weekend start that you're like, oh, okay, we're gonna do all the work. Something like you you finish the season and like the week after you already start working on the next season. There's so much work to do and you need to use all the time you have. So pretty much it. I think we started we restarted the the work on the motor maybe two weeks after uh, the last uh, race weekend. So, but we were on time on everything and we were really proud of ourselves until we learned there was not going to be a season. But the good thing is maybe there's other stuff that we were not supposed to do during the off season that we wanted to do during the season. Well, now we're going to have all the time in the world to do that before next season. Like we have no excuse to not be ready for when we're, when we're going to come back to racing. That's right. Yeah. That's uh, 
probably the, the longest off season you'll ever get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've heard on the on the last pod, I've heard that when Patrick here was on the podcast, he was saying that we exactly we have no reason not to be ready, and I get that. Like everyone, gonna have so much time to do their thing, but at the same time, it's racing. Like a lot of people, like you just. Like they wait at the last minute to do their thing, but it's just like it's boat racing. Like, what do you think you need? You need. You think you need to do A to C, but at the end, it's gonna be D and E. Would be like the the stuff you didn't thought about doing. It's gonna break at the last last minute before going to the race site. So, right. it's boat racing. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good you want. It's good to hear you won't make uh, Patrick upset. You're you're ready to go, right? He's no, like, no, we won't. We won't. You up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you just you finished your first season. You're really in your infancy and in racing. But I'm wondering, I'm curious if you have like a five-year plan thinking towards the future. I know you're, you're ready to race again, two and a half stock next year, but what are your thoughts of in five years, where do you see yourself? Are you racing the same class, different classes? Um, how many, you know, do you have a, a goal of, of wins or championships by then? Uh, what are your thoughts in the next five years for Simon? Yeah, um, actually five years, it's a pretty long time. So, Although I just haven't done like one full season yet, uh, if you ask myself for five years, I'd say I think at that point I'd be very happy if I could race car at the same time because I really want to go into car racing. Uh, yeah. If I could go for like the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge in Canada or the IMSA for endurance racing, if I could do that and boat racing at the same time would be pretty much what I'm aiming for. Uh, cause, uh, like st when I started to work for, uh, for F1, uh, that's when I learned about like the Porsche racing and IMSA and it was like, oh my God, like it was like an eye opening for me. It was like, oh, I want to do that too. But I know it's hard to do both at the same time, but I was like, yeah, maybe with time I could like start to dip my toes into it and find yeah. a team or put the piece in places for it to happen. But I, I for sure still want to race both. Because it's yeah. so deep, in, it's so deep inside of me in my in my ADN to race both. But yes, uh, I think I would like to try uh, do both at the same time if I can. Yeah. Well, there have been a lot of drivers over the years um, that have done both. I know there's a lot of drivers near Indianapolis that would race boats, but they also yeah. raced in Indy um, or different classes uh, leading up to Indy. So that would be that would be pretty fantastic to see you uh, double dip, so to speak, in, in, yeah. in the forms of racing. In my head, like when when you're a racer, you can race anything. It's just like it's different, but you need to be able to adapt, like in whatever car or motor or whatever whatever thing you're racing. Like I could have gone for motorcycle racing too. There was a point that's what I wanted to do, um, but uh, it's just you cannot race everything at the same time. You need to no. you need to choose something and stick to it because you need to put time and time and money and you just can't like unless you're super rich like you just can't have like racing in four or five different things at the same time so you you yeah. pick one you stick to it and hopefully maybe i can stick another one in at the same time and go for yeah. two but yeah. future will tell <laughs> well there's only so much time right <laughs> yeah exactly and what happened is like most most of the time like racing it's on the weekend it's in, during the summer so there's only that many weekend you can go race but Sometimes if you have like if you're two pilot on your team and you can like make switches and have like your the other pilot race while you're hydroplane racing and vice right. versa. So I think right. there's there's always solution to everything. Oh yeah, definitely. Well in, in looking for your ultimate goals in racing in boats, what class would you, you know, achieve to get to? Are you achieving to get to the Grand Prix class one day, 
unlimited ranks? Uh, have you thought, you know, what, where you want to go as your ultimate goal for that? Uh, I would go with Grand Prix because actually on the HRL circuit, uh, we don't have unlimited race. I know at one point unlimited they used to come to Valleyfield to race, but they were still sanctioned by the EPBA. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but if I had a chance to go unlimited, I'd go all in. It just it seems a little bit far, uh, like out of reach for me because it's pretty far of where we are. But I know you can make it happen because like Patrick is Patrick and Bert, like they're both they're both not too far from where I am, and they make it happen. So for sure, if the doors open for it, I'll, I'll go for it. That's for sure. But I seem seems like uh, Grand Prix uh, is the more realistic option for me. Yeah. Uh, and even though uh, DHL, like they, they had, some, they have some Grand Prix and they get some drivers in it, so that would be like a higher chance for me to to get in than the unlimited. But if you're that good in Grand Prix, you, you kind of have to go to unlimited. It's the next step. So yeah, you won't say no at least. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. I'll never say no. Well, I know Grand Prix is so huge in your area. That would be exciting for you to get that chance, opportunity as well. Yeah. Well, going back to, you talked about a little bit about Formula One, and I know you worked with the trauma team in Formula One there for some time in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, could you tell me a little bit, a little bit more about your experience in uh, working with that trauma team? Uh, yeah, so uh, actually I started three years ago. Uh, well, today, to this edition is gonna be my, my third year um, on the team. Uh, how we work is uh, so we have on the circuit we have uh, the the main hospital, who is just for the racing driver. So we don't do uh, the fans, so they're gonna get taken care of by uh, something by other people than us. So we have a team who's gonna be at the hospital. Uh, we have uh, teams in the paddock, and we're gonna have teams in ambulances uh, around the circuit. So at the exit of um, most dangerous corner, we're gonna have ambulance there to get faster to the uh, site of accident if anything happen. Uh, we also have uh, three helicopters gonna be on site. So we can uh, transport pilot in case of a of accident or multiple accident to uh, an hospital where they have uh, a room in standby for us with the, all the right staff. Um, uh, and for the paddock part, which is uh, pretty much my favorite part, so um, in F1, so you're gonna have uh, all the garage of the team. In front of them, they're gonna have your their engineer with their their computer, like they monitor all the race. So they're gonna be facing the starting grid. That's where they all are. And us, we're gonna be between uh, those teams. So for example, last year I was between uh, Mercedes and Ferrari. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so if anything happened uh, in the pit lane, uh, you're you're ready to you're ready to go. So we're a team of three. How it works? So we're gonna be one RT, uh, one doctor, and one nurse. We're gonna we're in a full uh, fire suit. And uh, yeah, if there's a if there's a problem with a mechanic or anything, uh, we're, we're the first we're the first in, and it's a. Uh, it's nice, but it's an experience because, like with the fire shoot, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, if you like spend three days uh, standing up in the massive sun with your uh, race suit on, uh, it's getting warm in there, and yeah. you can't really sit because um, F1 there's so many uh, photograph and 
TV guys who are filming, like, like if you do something wrong, like they're going to take picture of you. Like they're, they're just waiting for it. So you need to be very, um, very like, on point over what you do and you're standing up and you like, you don't touch your phone. You don't like, you don't think like, uh, you don't, uh, it's just like, you can't do mistake there, but that's, I think it's the part like we all enjoy. It's like the, the pressure they have. Cause um, for example, last year, uh, like everything was going great. It was like in the super, uh, races. Uh, it wasn't the, I think it was the Ferrari challenge. So the, what happens that the first car got on, caught on fire. So he breaks. So the two other cars behind him just like ram into him. So in a matter of a minute, we receive a uh, one patient for, um, or uh, burned, we got and two trauma. So within a minute, we had three patients in our room. So it evolved so fast. But that's that's what we live for. Like we love that. So it's not it's not experience, and we have like all the best doctor you could imagine. We have uh, all the newest uh, medical equipment because uh, just like it's F1, they just have so much money. We have all the nicest thing we could ever imagine. And we like, we do simulation every two hours. So we're very on point over what we do. And we're very proud of like the level of care we can, uh, we can give at the circuit. So, yep. Yeah. Nope. I don't want to brag about it, but it's just like last year uh, in Montreal, we were, um, we received the award for the best medical team on the entire F1 circuit. So oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we're, yeah, that's, that's gonna be really pretty high about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, there's a lot of work that goes behind that. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Well, it sounds like you thrive under pressure. I, I, it'd be hard for me to sit, stand there around, like you said, for three days and not, you know, wander off as kind of like a fan, like looking around and, oh, you yeah. know, it's, it being right there. It's it's hard to it would hard to be that professional face. Put that put on that professional face for all day for three days. Yeah, well, you can't really uh, wander around because, like, the the spot you have to to be on, I don't know, it's maybe it's uh, six feet wide. Like, it's pretty small, mm-hmm. and like, even if the in the pit line, like when the half one are passing there, like, it seems like you're not going fast, but it's like highway speed they're going. That's like the that's like their cruising speed just in the paddock. So you need to be very aware. But there's a lot of like in and out cars, so yeah, you need to be very aware of what's happening around you because it yeah. can be very dangerous. Yeah. Well, did you were you able to learn any lessons from you know working with this with this trauma team? Yeah, um, actually, I would say it's the the level of safety you can achieve in uh, in motorsport uh, with the F with the F one we're sanctioned by the FIA and their standards are so high. Um, the training they they gave us the tool we have um, the the protocol they have it's so well well written it's a it's a well oiled machine the FIA I'm not gonna lie it's very well and um but the thing is if i compare with like the hrl the apba uh for sure the standard or safety i would say is higher like i don't want to have like bad blood involved in there because i don't want to start a competition it's just like the fid have so much more money uh, over like what hrl or apb they're ever gonna have so that's for sure it's not it's not a it's not a level it's not a it's not a fair fight but uh, it's like, for example, like if there's a, we have a pilot who have an accident in his, in his F1, like we can take the entire seat off with the pilot and s- still strapped oh. inside of it. Yeah. So we can take him off and put him on the, on a compression bag. So he won't even move a millimeter of his, of his spine, of his neck, of his back. Like you don't move at all. Like that's, yeah. 
that's like the way to go. Like that's what we should all be able to do. But the reality is like in a hydroplane, like with the different type of cockpit we have, like it's not something we can do. So like it's sad we're not there, but it's haven't been designed yet. But at the same time, when they designed the F1 with their million and million, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to make a carbon seat that we can just like, with quick release that we can like just take off and keep the pilot in it. Like that's so well made, but like you need to get there. But the good news is, is as an, as a sanctioning uh, racing series, you can look at what they're doing and like what we can improve. So for sure, um, safety has been way better than it used to be before, but there's still place for improvement. And like, I always think to, to bring the experience I learned at the F1 to my racing series over what I see that is good that I think we can implant because there's something that are not realistic but there's something like hey guys like that can be a good idea um just like when I see like the the 30 doctor we have during an F1 weekend and I don't even see one at the race side I'm like yeah that's that's something maybe we can improve a little bit but I know yeah. it's hard to find doctor yeah. but it's just just like to compare like the difference of, like between the between leagues yeah well, it is really interesting to compare the two. Like, like you said, it's not really on level playing fields, though. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, Formula One is international around the world. Um, lots and lots of uh, money in, involved with that. But hopefully, you know, they can, with the safety committees, they can learn and, and, you know, further progress the safety in HRL and H1 as well. Yeah, but they're, they're doing a good job with the safety committee. Like, like the, the recommendation they come up with, they're like, there's there's thing that we like since it's very was particular for us, it's all thing we know we can implant. And since they gave us a th like they gave us two years to do those things, so it's not like just a bunch of things we needed to do like this season, and we're not would have not been able to do all of it. But since they gave us time and it's a progressive plan, like that's that's the way to go. So they're gonna like because I don't know like what the diffuse of that plan, so I don't want like get too much into detail. Um, but uh, maybe you could have maybe Patrick to give you some more info about that because I don't want to like uh, say things I'm not supposed to but uh, I think it was like a very well-made plan and for sure the security is gonna be better for us as a driver uh, the way we race because it's just it's so many little things that can make a big difference at the end so it's always like finding that that little thing that can that can have a huge impact because sometimes it might look like nothing but that tiny little screws that was not that was like not well made or that was not inspected like can can make something go wrong so right right higher standard and safety it's always better and we have more and more guys who um are working with companies like uh simpson or um we have uh, like helmet companies and company that do a hair system. Uh, they keep like work, making out better product for us that are safer. So that's always welcome for us. All right. Well, I don't, well, I always like to, to ask nothing but serious questions. I like to have some fun questions as well in the interviews. Yep. For you, I, I was just thinking about movies a lot lately. Um, thinking about yourself. If you had a, you know, a movie made about you, who do you think would, would be the actor playing uh, Simon Fortin? Uh, maybe you're gonna laugh a little bit, but I need to go with Patrick Dempsey, uh, who's playing Derek uh, <laughs> Shepard in Grace Anatomy. Because uh, uh, why I say that is just uh, we do have uh, similar hair a little bit. Like yeah, they're not, yeah. 
as nice as you have, I'm not going to lie, you have pretty amazing hair. I'm not there yet, but... Um, you need to grow yours out a little bit, I think. Yeah, a little bit, but it's yeah. hard during a pandemic when you can't go to the hair hairdresser. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I would go with that. And because the medical aspect too of like what he does at, in his big series of uh, working at the hospital. And also yeah. the fun fact is, I don't know if you were aware, but Patrick Dempsey is... He's, uh, he's, he's into racing, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, yeah. he owns uh, Dempsey Proton Racing. They raced the Porsche 911 RSR in the uh, FIA Work Championship. So, yeah. yeah. It's fun and, to see him uh, like yeah. do some racing and put racing in the like more popular for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I think once you get your hair grown out a little bit and get a little bit stubble, we'll get a picture of you. And I think we yeah. can probably put it side by side for that. Yeah. I was thinking kind of like if you like maybe Benedict Cumberdatch, if you plant, uh, you know, uh, got his hair dyed and stuff that might work but i think patrick dempsey i think that's a that's a closer yeah. one can't really go with the beard right now because of the hospital with like with the n95 oh. mask we can't we can't yeah. grow the beard so that's why True. we we all look like babies because we can't have a beard but uh at yeah. one point we'll be able to go back to normal and let yeah. the beard grow <laughs> <laughs> all right well looking forward to next year uh 2021 return to the hrl ser series of racing what are, you, what are you most looking forward to when you get in the water? Um, I'm like, I can't wait to know like how well the the new boat performed. Like it was like so much time and sweat and effort like we put in that boat. Uh, it looked good. I haven't released the official uh, picture yet of the new color, but uh, yeah, that's gonna be done in the in the future. But yeah, with all the it's like with what we've done, it's supposed to be such a better boat. It's just like I want to know like how it compares to the other boat. Like that's the thing. So yeah. we know it's gonna be faster, but is it gonna be fast enough? Like that. Yeah. There's only one way to know. But everyone else is doing the same thing. So the, like no one is gonna get slower every year. So everyone's uh, making their game up. So we're gonna know all what we're gonna do. But yeah, it's gonna be a long time before we go back racing. Like when it's gonna start over? It's gonna be two years since we've touched the pedal and. and it's a long uh, time. Yeah, it's a long time. And maybe like some boaters gonna have change hands. Maybe we're gonna see new face, like new rookie. Uh, who know? I've... So it's very exciting to see what kind of uh, lineup we're gonna we're gonna race against. It's always fun because uh, like we always like it's, we're a big family, so we're always excited when new driver they join us and like they become part of that big family and they race with us. Yes, it's competition, but at the end of the day, we all like we all just like going to hang out at with a good beer at the end of the race. So yeah, we're excited for that. All right, well, we're excited to see how 2021 treats you and see you back on the water. All right, thank you for the interview, uh, David. Yeah, thanks for being on, Simon. It's great talking with you. Thank you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. Make sure you come back next week to listen to our next episode. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydro News, check us out on social media. We're on the major players, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Talk is also online with our website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally, this is a free podcast to all of our listeners. And if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website through the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.